following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. All right, well, good morning, Harvest. How are we doing today? All right, right on. Well, as Roger said, if you could turn to James chapter 4 right now, we're going to be looking at uh, actually just two verses here today. We're going to be finishing out verses uh, 11 and 12. And so as you're turning there... um, Actually, I got a new pair of, uh, of glasses this week, and uh, some of you noticed, and they're dirty, but um, some of you have, uh, have been really nice in your compliments about them, and so I really appreciate that. Um, but you know who wasn't? My kids. Now, now keep in mind, my, it's not like I have teenagers in the house or anything like that. Like, if they were older, like, I'd expect to be given a hard time about that. But my kids are five and three. And their reaction when I first tried them on, like, they just pointed and laughed. Like, unbelievable. And, and I mean, I, I left the house that day, like, so insecure about what my three-year-old daughter thinks. I'm like, man, what's going on? Right, now understand, I love that about my kids, right? That they would bust my chops like that. See, that's the, that's the kind of house that I grew up in. And my brother and my dad and I were constantly making fun of each other. And the sarcasm just, just flowed freely in our home. And, and uh, we, we loved that. And, and now understand, it was always appropriate. It was always appropriate. I don't remember us ever like really crossing the line and being mean about that. I mean, maybe we were, but I, I, don't, I don't remember it that way. It was always fun. We always kept it light. Usually the guy that was getting made fun of out of the three of us would end up just joining in and making fun of himself. And it was like the best environment ever, in my, in my opinion. And, uh, and I loved it. Okay, but what about, what about when our words do cross the line? Right, what about when they go from just kind of funny and playfully sarcastic to, uh, to mean? Right, to, to rude or, or judgmental? Or what about if our words are, are filled with gossip and they're biting and they're, they're harsh? Right? Maybe that describes some of the relationships that you have with people. Does that describe the kind of home that you live in? Maybe that's, that's the way your family operated when, when you were growing up. How about at, uh, at work? Do you, do you get involved with, with office gossip? Are you trashing and making, making fun? And are hard, hard on each other. What about like with the, the kids in your neighborhood? You know, the ones that like ride their bike across your grass constantly. Or, or even worse, they leave their bike right behind your car where you can't see it. Right? How, do you, how do you treat those kids? Do you like tear a strip off them the next time you see them? Or words? Okay, hopefully we would, we would all agree here that that tearing each other down with our words is never appropriate. It's never appropriate. Not at all. I mean, just look at what this first part of verse 11 says here. Hopefully you're there already. What does it say? It says, do not speak evil against one another. Right? Just don't do it. I mean, can you, can you be any more clear than that? It's like so direct, so to the point As Christ followers, we can't be the kind of people who tear people down with our words. It's just, it's not in line with with who God has created us to be. It's not in line with what he wants his church to be all about. There's just no room for it. We can't speak evil. Now what James does here with these two verses is he shows us just exactly what our true spiritual condition is. If we continue to be the kind of people who tear each other down with our words. Okay, so here's where we're going to go here today. The outline's up on the screen for you. Just throwing it all out there. Okay, when I tear others down with my words, I undermine the authority of God's word, revealing a low view of God and a lofty view of myself. Okay, that's the direction we're going. It's a hard-hitting couple of verses. It's going to lay us bare. Hopefully God's word does that for us today. But before we get into it, let's just pray. God, we come before you here today as, as people who have all been hurt by words and we've all hurt others with our words. And Lord, despite all of that, Lord, despite the pain that we have received and despite the pain that we have caused, we continue to do it. 
Lord, some of us are in a worse place than others with it. I get all of that. But Lord, I pray today that we would understand, that we would be convicted, that we would be shaken to our core, that this has no place within your church. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, by the power, the truth of the gospel, Lord, we would be able to find hope here this morning. That we would be able to find the ability to change. Lord, that you would meet us in this very real problem, this, this problem that, that tears apart the church, tears apart unity. God, and that you would build us up. Lord, I pray that you would restore us. Lord, that I pray that you would make this church an incredible place to be where people, where new people come. And they're like, man, I can't believe this, this church. Lord, I'm already encouraged because I know you are making us into that church. Lord, it is by your grace. And it's for your glory. Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well, let's read these verses then together. Uh, Verses 11 and 12, James chapter 4. Here we go. He says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He's able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, this isn't the first time that James has addressed this issue of the tongue, is it? In fact, he's, he's already come at it a bunch of times, several times. And uh, we've seen this, right? In chapter 1, he kind of told us to be, to be slow to speak, right? Slow to anger. And then in chapter 3, is kind of the, the hallmark passage for the tongue. And, and that's where he talks about taming the tongue. And Pastor Todd took us through that uh, a while ago. And then last week... Pastor Dan worked us through James 4, verses 1 to 10. And at the beginning of all of that, Paul is he's asking them the question here about all, all their quarrels and their fights. Okay, and so, so obviously, we can read between the lines here and recognize that obviously there was something, some issue that was going on here in this church surrounding this issue of the tongue, of our words, of speaking evil, of, of slander. It was causing fights and quarrels and division. And now in our passage, these verses that we just read, he comes back to this issue now for the last time. And so this is like his grand finale on this topic of the tongue. And he really, he just goes for the jugular, right? He goes after it. He's like, he's like, cut it out already. He's like, enough with the, the shred jobs on each other, right? It's got to stop. It's got to stop now. He does really just an incredible job through these two short verses of showing us just exactly what's going on in our hearts, what our mentality really is when we continue to just let our words fly recklessly. All right, so let's jump into this here. Here's the first thing in your notes. You've got them there. Okay, when I tear others down with my words, I undermine the authority of God's word. All right, so here we go. Verse 11. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Okay, we covered that. He says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges a brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Okay, now, first of all, that that phrase speaks against that you see there or speaks evil against, it says a little bit later. Okay, it indicates a habitual or, or characteristic action. All right, so the, so the people who are doing this are making a habit of, of speaking evil or, or being judgmental. It's like they're, they're constantly running their mouth at people or, or about other people. And specifically, who's that say they're doing it to? Well, they're brothers, right? brothers or sisters. They're, they're doing it to, to those in the church, right? Paul isn't concerned about what pagans are doing. It's like, of course they're going to do that kind of stuff. But this, this kind of behavior, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening in the church. We shouldn't be doing it to each other. And so the picture that he's painting here is, is, is of a church that was, that was coming apart at the seams. Right? It was happening because of, of a highly judgmental, verbally venomous culture that was being created here by certain people. Now, when I, when I look out across our church, okay, and I think about the people that I know, I know most of you, okay, I, I don't exactly see this. 
in our church. Right? I really don't. I, I think our church tends to be the, play, uh, the kind of place where, where generally speaking, it's, uh, you know, people are gracious in their speech towards each other. You know, it's a place where people are kind and, and, and it's lighthearted and there's a lot of joy here. And I think it's got a place where, where people generally want to come to church, right? Like, I know it's going to be a good day, right? I think we've really grown a lot as a church in our ability to be gracious uh, with our words. Okay, but all that being said, I also don't think we should be maybe, maybe too quick to give ourselves a pass on all of this either, right? We need to... We need to think about where we're really at because for sure, some of us, right, some of us need, need to wake up to the call that our, that our gossip and our slander, our abusive language is completely out of control and it needs to end now. Because right? who knows? Think about it this way. Okay, maybe, maybe the way that you're behaving now it's starting to put our church on a course for what we see here in James. Are you sure you want to stand before the Lord for that? I doubt you do. Okay, so, so heed the warning now. Right? Get, your, get your act together now before you, before you drag us all down with you. Okay, all it takes is, is one person speaking evil to, to ruin something like a, like a small group. You ever been a part of something like that before? Right? It's like, it's, it's awkward and it's painful. I don't want to go because this person just, just, just flaps their gums all the time and it's, it's detrimental. Right? All it takes is one person to ruin an entire ministry or, or make church a, a painful and an awkward place for everyone to be. Right? All it takes is one person speaking evil. Okay, so grow up, right? Get it right. If that's you, right? If it's you, if, if you're the kind of person who, who just struggles with the, you know, the occasional harsh word or whatever, okay, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. Though occasional harsh words, those are wrong as well. We need to work through that. Okay. But this verse is talking to the, to the person whose, who, whose problem is chronic, Right? This is the, the person who, who can't help but say horrible things. They're always doing their best to make church a train wreck, one evil comment at a time. Right? That's what this verse is saying. You know, when I was, I was thinking about that this week as I was reading through this passage and I was, I was, I was thinking about it and honestly just feeling so convicted about my own words. And to be honest with you, I had to go set some things straight. And I had to repent of some things and, and realize that, you know what, I've, I, have, I haven't been holding onto my tongue as tightly as I should, right? And I was just thinking, God, like, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to be a part of, uh, of speaking evil ever to anyone, right? I want to be in a good place with all of this. <coughs> I mean, there's just such, such big time consequences to letting all of this run wild. And so we really, we really need to watch ourselves. Okay, so this is a warning, warning to the person who speaks against his brother, like it says there. And then what does it say next? It says, or judges his brother, right? Or judges his brother. So here what James is doing is he's, he's shutting down the, the super judgmental person that's always harsh and, and condemning others all the time and, and always seems to feel the need to be judge and jury in everybody's life. And listen, judgmental people, they are always always full of self-righteous pride, right? And they're always, always blind to their own faults. But you notice these people, they always think that they're God's gift to the church, don't they? You know, they're just running around, think that they're, thinking that they're better than the Holy Spirit at setting people straight, right? That's how these people operate. Now understand, Jesus was very hard on judgmental people in the New Testament. Very hard. And you notice who the kinds of people were that tended to be judgmental? People that knew God. Right? People that had been a part of the church for years, for a long time. Leaders in the church. Right? Because these, these people had so lost touch with the fact that they're not actually better than anybody. They've got their own problems. They've got their own issues. But they started thinking, hey, because I'm in the church, I'm pretty awesome. 
And so I'm going to be really hard on other people, on newcomers, on people that don't th- do things the exact same way that I do them. Right? And Jesus was like, gah, he like cut it off. He went hard at them. You remember what he called them? He called them whitewashed tombs. Means, means on the outside, yeah, you guys look pretty good. On the inside, you're like dust. Those are heavy words. Called them a brood of vipers. It could be better to fall into a pit of snakes and hang out with you. Right? That's what Jesus said. Hey, listen, he's speaking to us. We're the church. We're the leaders. We're the ones, we're the ones who've been Christians for a long time. Right? Are we judgmental? We need to get a grasp on our judgmental attitudes. It just it creates division. It does harm to the gospel. It does harm to people. Now, real quick here. Okay, that doesn't mean that we never judge. It doesn't mean that we, we never judge. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, Mike. What about, uh, what about Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? What does that one say? It says, it says don't judge, lest you be judged. Right, what about that verse? You ever notice that that verse is some people's favorite verse in the whole Bible? Right? They love that. They absolutely love it. And they're like, like you can't judge me. Right? The Bible says so. Aha! Right? Can't do it. And what are these people really doing? Well, first of all, they're misusing that verse horribly. Right? Horribly. And really what they're doing is they're standing behind it as a way to justify every dumb course of action they make. Right? But we, but we know sometimes you need to make a judgment call on the way people are behaving based on the actions that you see them make. Right? It's called, it's called parenting. Right? Well, what would you do if like your seven-year-old little Johnny comes up to you and he's like, can't judge me, mom. Can't judge me, dad. Bible says so. What are you going to say? And I will bring Armageddon down on your head, kid. <laughs> right? That's what you're going to do. You're not going to be like, oh, you got a good point, son. (laughs) Of course not. It's called parenting. It's called being a boss, right? If if you're, if you're the boss, you've got employees under you. Sometimes you got to set the record straight. You got to put them in line because they're stepping out of line or being a leader in the church. Got to make a judgment call. A lot of you are leaders, you're small group leaders, you're flock leaders, you're working with kids or with youth or with adults. And that's just the way it goes as we disciple people and as we have to discipline them sometimes. It's all the same word. Right? We've got to make a judgment call. Now this Matthew 7 passage, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us to never make a judgment call, okay? Rather, it tells us how we should judge properly. How we should judge properly. And namely, that we that we don't judge hypocritically. Okay, so if you've got, for example, you've got a huge porn problem, probably better, probably best, not to start calling other people out on their lust issues. Right? This passage is saying, get rid of the log in your own eye before you try and go after the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. Hey, don't judge hypocritically. Don't have your own issues going on while you're being hard on others. What's the reality here? We've all got our own issues going on. So humble yourself, right? Recognize that you're not better than somebody. Make sure that your own heart's in a good place before you go after somebody and do it graciously, right? And here's another thing it kind of shows us here. You can only judge the actions that we see. We can't judge people's motives. Some of the greatest damage I have seen in the church is seeing people, seeing people assume motives and going on a rampage because they think they know what's up. They don't. It's appalling. Okay? Leave the, leave the motive judging up to God. He's the only one that knows the heart. Okay? We don't know the heart. Here's a quote for you. It's up on the screen behind me. Okay, James is not calling believers never to judge in the sense of not analyzing others' behavior and beliefs, nor even the sense of refusing to take corrective action but rather not to be characterized by a judgmental or censorious spirit. Okay, so making, making judgments, it's, it's going to be necessary, again, as we, 
as we disciple, as we get discipled, we're going to have to sometimes gently call people out. Other people are going to have to call us out. Let's understand that. It's the, it's the judgmental, it's the hypercritical spirit here that James is railing against. Okay, it says here also that, that when we're judgmental, then we actually speak evil against the law and judge the law. Okay, now we're cooking with fire. All right, first of all, what does it mean by the law? When it, when it refers to the law, what's it saying? Well, the, the Bible refers to the law in a bunch of different ways. And when we would refer to the law, we might mean it in, in a few different ways. First of all, um, it might refer to uh, the Pentateuch. You ever heard that word before? It's kind of a fancy word for the first five books of the Old Testament. In the first five books of the Old Testament, the Jews call it the, the Torah. Sometimes they, they refer to that part as the law. Other times, it's referring to the Ten Commandments. Right, those are God's like kind of top ten. That's the law. Other times, when we say the law, we mean we mean the entire Bible as a whole. Okay? We mean God's word. But what specifically does James mean here when he says the law? Well, he's actually referring back to what he mentioned in chapter 2, verse 8. You can probably just look over uh, one page and you can see it there. He's referring to the royal law. You've heard of this before. Right, the royal law is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right, yourself. And ultimately, this came from, from Jesus. It's not like James was making all of this up. James said it, and he said it in Matthew uh, chapter 22. And this is where he basically, he, he sums up the entire law, the entire Bible with two commands. He's like, you need to, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you also need to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the royal law. And so listen to it. When, when, we, when we slander someone, okay, we don't just violate them. We actually violate God's word. We violate the law. And, and, and keep in mind, not just like some sort of minor aspect of it. Some like small print, minor law buried somewhere near the back of the book. Okay, that's not the part we're violating. No, we're, we're, we're effectively desecrating what God says is our primary purpose in life. To love others. <coughs> now let's take it a step further. Because what does it say there in the rest of verse 11? It says, whoever judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a, but a judge. This is what MacArthur has to say about it. Okay, the unimaginable implication of that is that the one who disregards God's law in effect claims to be superior to the law of God, not to be bound by it or subject to its authority. By such fearful disrespect, the sinner judges the law as unworthy of his attention, affection, obedience, submission. All of which, listen, is blasphemy against God. If that doesn't make you feel sick, okay, about every careless word, every, every harmful word that you've ever, ever uttered, what will? Right? Ultimately, it's blasphemy against God. We, we undermine the authority of God's word. And, and we reveal this, this under, underlying belief that, our, that we're holding on to in our heart that, that what God has to say about the way that we live doesn't matter. Who cares? We, we, step, we step outside of the loving boundaries that God's word provides for us. We step outside of all of that and decide that, that, that we get to call the shots. Right? We, we instead, we, we trash, we, we condemn the Bible, and we make ourselves rulers over it. That's what's happening. That's what it means to speak evil against the law and judge the law. Now, we can begin to take steps towards victory over our evil words when we first consciously, okay, you have to do it on purpose, you have to make a decision to, consciously decide to place ourselves back underneath the authority of the Bible. Right? That's what we need to do. 
Last week, again, we looked at verse 10, didn't we? It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's what submitting yourself to the authority of scripture is really all about. It's admitting, God, God, I've I've stepped out of bounds here. I've I've, I've crossed the line. I've I've made a mockery of your holy standard. God, forgive me. God, give me a a passion for, for you or for the way that you want things done. Give me a heart for your word, Lord. May I never condemn it by the words that I speak to other people. Okay, so tearing others down undermines the authority of God's word. And here's the second thing. It also reveals my low view of God. Also reveals my low view of God. Now, so far, has this, uh, has this passage been an easy one to swallow? No. No, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. It, it's super convicting as we start to, to realize the weight of our words here. We start to realize what it, the, the damage that it can cause. But I want to encourage you to, to stick with me here as we go through this, because we're not done. Let God do his thing. It's kind of like if you've got a, a major health issue, sometimes that would require that you have uh, invasive surgery to fix the problem, right? And, and that, that surgery, it's, it's always intrusive. It's, it's, it's painful. It's disruptive. Okay, but ultimately, it's the, it's the right thing for you to do. It's, it's the best thing for you if you want to get healthy. And so that's what letting God's word have its way is like. Okay, so again, I, I want you to bear with me as we continue to just kind of slug through this. Because we're going to get to some, some kind of ways that we can, can work through this issue towards the end. All right, and so we're going we're gonna to breathe some hope into this. Okay, so don't get too discouraged here. But we're going to keep going. You good with that? All right, let's go. Verse 12. Hey, there's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. Okay, so we, we already know this, that our evil words undermine the authority of the Bible. But on top of that, they also expose what we actually think of God himself. Okay, it says here, it says here that there's only, there's only one lawgiver and judge. Hey, newsflash, newsflash, it ain't you. Okay, it ain't you. Okay, it's the Lord. And, and, and he's the one who gets to call the shots. You may be like, well, well, why? That doesn't seem so fair. Well, because he's God. He's God. He gets to. He created this world and he created you and he put you, he put you in the world for a reason. So, so let him do what he does best. And that's to, to rule over his creation and, and to establish his will in your life. Right? Let him do that. And it says here that, that he's able to to save and to destroy. Now, when I read that, I, I just think of the, the awe-inspiring power of God, right? That he, he's able to do it all. He can do whatever he wants. Right now, thankfully, he's good, or we'd all be in trouble. Right? But, but he, can, he can save those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and he can, he can, he can destroy unrepentant sinners. I keep, keep in mind here, he's not just capable of doing one or the other. He, he, can, he can do both. He can do it all. His, his power, it's, it's all-encompassing. Okay, but, but the moment that we start to engage with, with slandering one of our brothers and sisters, slandering anyone at all, we've, we've completely lost sight of all of that. Right? We've, we've lost sight of God's, God's majesty, his his strength, his, his, his love and his grace, our salvation, right? We've lost sight of all of that. Everything that he is and, and everything that he's capable of, we've, we've taken our, our focus off of that to, to trash someone that's been made in the image of God. Right? Kind of scary when you think of it that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Getting too fired up here. Now, at the end of the day, all right, at the end of the day, all of our sin is a result of having a low view of God. All of it. Every single sin. Not just, not just our words that we use, but I love this. A, a guy named Ralph Venning, he was a 17th century English Puritan. 
he said that all sin goes about to ungod God. All sin goes about to ungod God. Okay, so whenever we trash someone, whenever we speak evil, we essentially commit treason against the Lord by trying to remove him from the throne. Right? We're lowering our view of him. We're pulling him off of, off of his throne where he belongs. Listen, if, if your words are evil, think about just your words this week. If that's true for you, basically your heart is operating from the position of God's word doesn't matter and neither does God. That's the position our hearts are operating from. And, in, and on top of that, you're essentially saying, hey, you know what, God? I'll take that, that crown. I'll take that crown. I think I deserve to be uh, sitting in that chair on that throne. I think, I, think, I think I would be better than you at that. And that's really the last thing we reveal here when we, when we tear others down. That's just that's a lofty view of myself. And a lofty view of myself. And this is where we just, we just flat out think that we're, we're better than we really are. We think we're better than other people around us. We even think we're better than God at this point. And just take a look at the second part of verse 12 here. Verse 12 says, uh, But who are you to judge your neighbor? Hey, who are you to judge? Hey, make no mistake here. This is a, this is a sarcastic stinging rebuke from James. He's like, he's like, who do you think you are to just continue to carve people up like this? He's like, get off your pedestal. Get off your soapbox and come crashing back down to earth. And enough with this, this inflated sense of your own importance. Hey, come join the rest of us. Hey, who are you? That's the question that we really all need to ask ourselves, isn't it? Who am I? Who am I to be destroying people like this? Who am I to be, to be gossiping about people at church in my small group? Who am I to be using harsh or, or angry words with my family, to my spouse, to my kids? Who am I to be so judgmental about, about things that I don't even really know the first clue about, but I'll ignorantly and arrogantly condemn anyways, acting like I do know. Hey, all of it, wrong, ungodly, unbiblical. Hey, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. And hey, it's a ticking time bomb in the church. What we say is important. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, what do we do if this is what we struggle with? And on some level, we all do. How do we, how do we handle it? Right? How does the, the serial slanderer or even the casual slanderer find victory in Christ? How do we get there? Because, I mean, as much as we need to be told to stop, and we do, many of us have heard messages like this countless times. We've heard a bunch of them in this series alone, right? We know that we need to stop. The hard part is knowing how to stop, right? How do we do it? Because for some of us, it's, it's become such a part of, of our heart and the makeup and our thinking and our belief. It's become like an addiction now. We can't just, we can't just stop because someone tells us to. We need some help. We need some, some ammo. How am I going to get through this? What I want to do here in the next little bit is go through some, some very practical steps that you and I can take so that we can go from, from tearing people down to just quite the opposite, to loving them, to building them up, to speaking graciously. All right, now, at the end of the day, the antidote to all of our sin, it's the gospel. Okay, it's the gospel. Don't think that just because you're a Christian and you responded to the gospel once when you were like eight, that you don't need to hear the gospel again. We need the gospel as much as the unsaved world does, right? We really do. 
Because through the gospel, we learn everything that we need to know. We learn, we learn what's true. We learn what's true about our salvation. We learn all of the implications of our salvation. The implications are the things that we so often forget. Right? We learn to, to look at ourselves honestly. Right? No more covering up our problems. Because the gospel teaches us that, that Jesus loves us despite all of our problems. Right? You don't need to hide behind that and pretend you're better than you really are. We learn about the incredible grace of God through the gospel. Who he says we now are in him. What he says we now have in him. The gospel tells us that we have everything. We have everything that we need. We don't need to look elsewhere. We have everything that our hearts crave. It's all through Christ. Okay, the gospel, the gospel message is, is like the bandage to our wounded hearts. The gospel is, is the medicine that heals us. And make no mistake, it is the truth that will set you free from speaking evil about other people or to other people. And you may be like, Mike, that sounds great, but how do we do this? How does the gospel do that? Okay, well, let's just take one example. Let's take the example of, of being judgmental. Right, that's what these verses talk about. Let's take the example of being judgmental as, as an example of, of evil talk. Okay, usually whenever you've got a sin issue in your life, um, this is how we usually handle it. We're usually like, well, God, um, could you just please take it away? You know, I, I, I tend to judge people in my thinking or in my, in my words. Can, can you just remove that attitude from me? Can I just be really honest with you? I think that's almost an entirely useless approach. Almost. Because, yeah, for sure, sometimes God will take your sin away when you ask it, just like that. Right? Maybe you have an, an example of that, a certain sin that you struggled with, that maybe as soon as you got saved, you just no longer struggle with that sin anymore. And that's amazing that God does that. But is that the norm? No, it's not. You know this, usually most of our sin, it's like it takes a lifetime of, of grinding it out and, and working it through. If he, just, if he just removes our sin from us the, the first time that we ask it, but, but, our, but our thinking hasn't changed, what we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to replace that old sin with a new one. Right? So we, the, the battleground really is in our mind and in our heart, in what we actually functionally believe is true. And that's where the gospel comes in and sets us free. Okay, and so what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to apply the gospel to this issue of, of being judgmental. We're going to change our understanding. We're going to change our belief. We're going to have a little bit of surgery here in our hearts. We're going to watch the gospel take root. Okay, so what you need to do whenever you've got a sin in your life at all, is you need to really ask yourself two really important questions and you need to write these down, okay? They're not complicated, but they're ultra important Okay, and so we're going to ask these questions and, and think about how the gospel can, can heal this warped issue of being judgmental. We do that with our, with our words and we also do it with our thoughts. Okay, so the first question you need to ask yourself is, is why? Why do I judge others? Why do I blank? Commit any sin. You can use this template here if you want to call it that. You can use that for any sin that you struggle with. Okay, again, we're talking about the issue of being judgmental. Why do I judge others? Why do I, why do I really do this? In other words, you know, what does my heart feel it needs in that moment where I commit that sin? What does my heart feel it needs? Or, or, or what kind of perceived benefit do I get when I judge someone? Because at the end of the day, the only reason we're, we're committing any sins is because we think we're getting something good from it. If we didn't think we were getting any, anything good, any kind of benefit from sin, we would all ditch it easily. No problem. Yeah, I'll follow Christ. That's not the way sin works. There is some kind of benefit that we get to it. And so you're trying to figure out, you're trying to go beneath the surface a little bit in your, in, in your understanding. Don't just say, Lord, forgive me for, um, for my sin of judgmentalism. Right? That's, that's lazy confession. Try to Pull the curtain back and find out what does my heart really want here? What's, what's my heart motive in all of these things? 
trying to figure out the reasons for why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, so why, why do I judge? Well, I'll give you a couple of examples of, of maybe, maybe why you judge. I'll give you three of them. And these are just three. If you've got, if you've got more, if you can think of other reasons, come tell me, because I would love to add to this list. Okay, one of these reasons or a mixture of all of them might be true for you if you find yourself judging people. And at the end of the day, we all kind of judge people, right? So this is for all of us. Why do I judge? Well, maybe for you, the issue is power. It's power. You know, I, I just really, I really like the feeling of control, the feeling of, of the powerful feeling I get when I judge somebody, right? I, I love that. And, and, and for you, it's, it's kind of this sense of, of pleasure and, and comfort that you, kind of in a sick sense, that you feel when, when you judge somebody else and when you condemn them with your words. Okay, so maybe for you, the issue is, is, is power or, or a sense of control. Here's another reason why we might judge. Insecurity. Okay, insecurity. Maybe you're like the, just a really insecure person. And uh, you're really, it's, it's, it's jealousy maybe. You know, these kind of things go hand in hand, synonymous. You're jealous and, and, you, and you wish that, that you were as good as that person. And so you're, 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 you kind of rip them apart and, and you're trying to bring them down to your level. You know, you want, you want to, you know, roll around. You want them to roll around in the mud just like you do, right? And for you, hey, listen, you might be, you might be insecure and you might be the most quiet person in the world. You, you would never get to the place based on your personality where you're like verbally trash talking somebody or being verbally hard on somebody. But in your heart, you're doing it like 24 seven. And you're going after, is that really any better than saying it? No, it's not. Really, you're just, you're insecure. There's another reason. Self-righteous pride. Self-righteous pride. Is that the reason why you judge? This might be like kind of the opposite person as the, the insecure person. This is the guy who's like, man, I'm just way better than everybody else. Right? They're at the opposite end of the spectrum. And they're so lame compared to me. Like they're, you know, and, and just cutting them down for all of that. You know, they, they just can't get it right. They, they don't do it as good of a job as I do. And, and look how great I am. That's a self-righteous, judgmental person. Okay, so you see, you see how we're, we're starting to dig deeper into the heart here? Trying to find out why. Why do I judge? That's the first question. Second question, write this down too. You need to ask yourself, how does the gospel speak to this issue? How does the gospel speak to this issue I'm struggling with? In other words, how does the, how does the gospel set me straight? How does the gospel help me? Well, well, it tells me that, that all of these perceived benefits that I'm receiving from, from, this, from this sin are, are actually warped. They don't, they don't really fulfill me. But the gospel tells me only Christ fulfills me. Christ gives me my, my sense of worth and, and completion and fulfillment and joy and comfort, all of that. Okay, so I, so I, need to, I need to stop looking for them in, in other things, in these sinful pursuits, in, this, in judging others. Okay, so you see what you're trying to do here? Trying to, trying to figure out what, what does the gospel tell me that counteracts this sin my heart's struggling with? Okay, so let's go back to some of those reasons we just looked at, those three reasons why we might judge. Okay, the first one was power and control. Okay, if that's you, you, love the, you get the sense of comfort and pleasure and you're kind of a sick puppy when it comes to that. Okay, you, need, you need to administer the gospel to your heart and to your thinking, your belief. You need to tell yourself that this, this, this feeling of power and, and comfort and control, this pleasure that I get from it, won't ever satisfy me completely. It's never going to satisfy me. I wasn't created for that thing to satisfy me. I was created for, for Jesus to satisfy me. If I keep judging, it, it's, it's a never-ending hallway. You're never going to get to the end of that and be like, wow, I've judged enough people now. I feel completely satisfied. It's not the way it works. Why do you think we keep judging people? Because it doesn't satisfy us. 
feels good for a few moments, but then another little juicy bit of gossip comes up. We get some little nugget that we want to pounce on. We want to judge. Jesus is our pleasure now. He brings us our sense of comfort. That's where you need to start finding all of that in. You need to remind yourself of that. Yeah, but the insecure person, the insecure person, we need to understand that you're never going to feel secure by, by tearing others down, by judging others. It's never going to come that way. Yeah, the, the, the gospel teaches you that, that you just need to admit freely that you're a sinner. Why? Because Jesus loves you 100% anyways. He's not looking for you to clean yourself up and then he'll love you. He died for you because he loved you. Before you trusted in him. He's your security. Stop trying to find it and tear others down. He's your sense of strength. He's your sense of comfort. That's what the gospel tells you. How about the self-righteous bro? What does the gospel teach him? Well, that he's not good. Right? So stop thinking that you are. In fact, you're way more sinful than you can even imagine. Yet what? Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. Okay, so stop, stop exalting yourself above other people. You're not above anyone. No one is above another person. God created us equal. The playing field is level. Okay, so the self-righteous person, your achievements, ultimately, who gets the glory for your achievements? Jesus, right? They're an act of God's grace. The gospel tells you that too. Okay, so as a result, because of all of that, because of everything that we have told, uh, we've talked about, because of the truth of the gospel, therefore, I will be gracious with people. Because God's been gracious to me. You see how your heart motive starts to change when the gospel starts to take root in your life? You're like, man, I'm, I'm kind of a chump. Right? Like Jesus, Jesus loves me and, and I got to quit all of this, this negative talk, this condemning others. Jesus doesn't condemn me anymore. He forgives me. He gives me his love. So I want to be like that with everybody around me. And of course, as we learn how to apply the gospel like this, okay, we, we need to remember that we also need to repent. We need to take care of the sin that was there. We need to apologize to the Lord for what we were doing, how, we, how, how our hearts were full of pride, how we were trying to, to, to basically pull God off his throne, that we were, we were judging the Bible. We need to apologize to the Lord for that. And hey, we're going to need to apologize to other people too because we've created a trail of destruction with our words. So go to these people. Set the record straight. Apologize to them. Humble yourself. The gospel tells you to do that. And we apply the gospel. That's how we grow. That's how we learn to overcome this, this issue of speaking evil. And understand this. Growing in this way, it's going to take time. It, do, it doesn't happen overnight. I hope some of you have had like kind of a light bulb, aha moment here today. Hopefully you've been encouraged. And you're like, man, I, I, can actually, I can actually grow in this area of my life. I can grow in any area of my life. It's got to remember my salvation and apply the gospel. This is incredible. I hope you are encouraged with that. But understand that our growth, our sanctification, it's a lifelong process. And why is that? Well, it's because our hearts continually default back into this place where we try to, try to find our our goodness, we try to find our pleasure, our comfort, our meaning, our identity, our passion, all of it in something other than Christ. Our hearts fall back into that position all the time. So we got to continually remind ourselves that all of it's found in Jesus. Okay, so because of what we have in him, Because of everything that he has done for us. Because of everything that he continues to do in us. Let's love other people with our words. Let's pray.
God, this is a heart-shaking uh, section of Scripture, and, and Lord, personally, I am humbled by it and appalled at the way that I behave at times, and, and I would imagine there are others here, as your Spirit has worked, that feel the same way. Lord, I pray that we would take this rebuke to heart. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't harden our hearts and say, forget it. I'm going to go my way anyways. But I pray that you would soften us, that you would humble us, and that we would humble ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would take the time today to go and repair some relationships that have been destroyed because of careless words that we've uttered. Lord, I pray that in our homes, our homes would be filled with gracious speak. Lord, that we would we would have homes of joy, of peace, a lot of contention and strife because, Lord, of what you're doing in our hearts. So, Lord, we want to rejoice in the gospel and the truth of our salvation and the grace of God today. Lord, we thank you that you are a mighty Savior. Lord, we thank you that you are still at work in our lives, Lord, and you promise to bring us through. We thank you that through you, we can grow. Through you, we can put this sin behind us. It might be bumpy along the way, Lord, but you promise to lead us through. So God, encourage us. Lord, fire us up. Lord, get us excited about who you are and what we have in you and who we are in you. Thank you for your word, Lord, and how it teaches so clearly. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We pray that today's message was encouraging and challenging. For more info about Harvest Bible Chapel, check us out online at harvestberry.ca. Thanks again, and remember, you are loved.